When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me today down the King Power Stadium is James the Sharp Edge Sharp. Hello. Uh, we've just sat through uh, Claude Puel's press conference ahead of the visit of Stoke City here on Saturday for the early kickoff. Um, plenty to discuss, but let's start in the usual manner. If you want free beer, if you like beer, and I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that do, uh, head over to beer52.com, use the tagline Leicester to register. And you could be savouring eight beers from around the world, and all you got to do is pay for the postage and packing. But let's get on to the uh, team news first. Yeah. Um, there's one absentee, isn't there, for the Potters? Uh, yes, that is Shinji Okazaki, who about two weeks ago, Claude Powell said would be out for two weeks with a knee injury. Two weeks have passed, but Shinji is still out. And it appears he's not even in training. Uh, Powell said that he's due to train with the squad fully next week so he'll miss the game against Stoke and then we'll have to wait and see to see whether that's going to be another game after that but he's out this week but there's no other so he's got a full squad besides Okizaki yeah Wes Morgan as well he returned from a hamstring injury against uh, Sheffield United in the cup and to be honest I thought he didn't really show many signs of rustiness because usually when they come back from injury they like to Leicester like to give them a few in the 23s game to get them back into the swing of things. But Wes came straight back in and didn't look that rusty. So he's back and available. The question, of course, is whether Claude goes with him or goes with Dragovic, who's been playing really well. Well, let's talk about that option then for uh, Puel because uh, I personally think Dragovic has been excellent and he's grown uh, with his performances since uh, being thrown in. He had to wait a long time for his first team opportunity, but I think he's really uh, seized his uh, his opportunity well, uh, considering he's only on loan and, uh, and and didn't play for the first half of the of the season. But now Morgan's back. Does he just bring his skipper straight back in and does Dragovic his all his efforts say thank you very much, lad, but have a little seat on the bench for a bit? Oh, it's ruthless if he does. I mean, uh, Dragovic has been excellent. I thought when he first started getting game time, he looked like he dived in a bit too hastily but since then he's built a good relationship with Harry Maguire it depends on how Claude sees this so I remember in an early podcast this week I was talking to our colleague Jordan about this and when Nigel Pearson was here Pearson would always say every player's position in the team is up for grabs but the captain's slightly different he made no secret about if Wes was fit Wes would play not quite sure how Poel will see this. He keeps he says in his press conference that he's such a key player. It's great to have your leader, your captain, back in the team. So there's that. But if you're picking on, if you are put into your team and you take your chance, what kind of message does it send to you if if you do everything you can to keep that shirt, and then you get it taken off you? Because some of the players back from injury. But it, we've seen this before, though, haven't we? I yeah. mean, Vicente Bora was playing very well, and then he made way for Matty James and Adrian Silva, and he seems like fourth choice now. 
uh, central midfield position. I can't remember him having a particularly bad game. No. Uh, so I think Paul has shown that he can be ruthless if he, he prefers a player over another. He, he will not, regardless of uh, form, he will put that man in. Yeah, he did. Even in his very first game in charge, when he came in and dumped out Okazaki and Albrighton in the first game to play great and to play a younger side, he's shown that he's... Because this team's not... And it is his, but it's not... He's inherited this team. He's not got any emotional ties to players that you'd say former managers would have had. He could, he shown that he's the kind of manager that would just make a decision on what he feels is right. And if I had to put money on it, I think Dragovic will play at the weekend. I disagree. I think he's going to go with Wes. I think because he's the captain and he likes his leader, he might go with uh, Wes because I, I've, we've seen it before. You, you rightly pointed out Shinji Okazaki is another classic example early in the season because he was in the form of his Leicester City life at the start of the season and suddenly he was being pulled out on a regular basis and then uh, you know he's, he's fallen, obviously he's injured at the moment, but uh, you know, he fought, fell down the pecking order a little bit as well. So uh, It's different if it's the captain. And it's the, and it's the captain, the leader. So whether it's ideal to have a goalkeeper as your captain, I'm sure Casper's a very a good figure in the dressing room, but whether he can communicate on the field um, for us, I suppose he wouldn't need to communicate too much with Jamie Vardy. Uh, he's just a man on his own, isn't he, out there? He's his own leader. But um, I, I wonder, I think he might just go for Wes, as long as he th- he's convinced he's fit enough. Yes, that is a, that is a point, because... Sheffield United, I know they had a couple of chances um, to score, one which Michael Saban, one which was blocked by Harry Maguire. You wouldn't say that Leicester had 70% possession. It wasn't a game that Wes had to really exert himself. He wasn't didn't have to run about a lot chasing strikers. Leicester had most of the ball, so he could ease himself back into match fitness against them. A Premier League opposition in Stoke, even at a they are down at the bottom might be a different prospect. So it depends on what the fitness of Wes is and whether Puel thinks that he can another, manage it. Another factor is Shakiri. I mean, the movement of that guy, he can uh, tear defences apart when he's in the mood. Other times when he's not in the mood, he disappears from games. You, don't, you forget he's on the pitch, but he's got the potential with his movement and that to pull people out of position, as we saw in the game at their stadium earlier in the season when Harry Maguire was dragged out uh, and Shakiri got in behind to score their goal. So... I wonder if that'll be a factor in his thinking as well, mobility of Morgan. Maybe, yeah. A lot of that comes to whether Puel feels that Wes is more experienced Premier League defender will would be able to read the game better than Dragovic and so maybe not have to overstretch himself to compensate. Whether he sees that experience as being more important or whether he feels that Dragovic is in the groove of playing week in, week out, and with an understanding now he's developed with Maguire, whether he feels that that is a better option and that's more likely to allow Leicester to snuff out those attacks, it, it's, a, it's an interesting one and a big decision. Well, let's talk about, because we're talking about centre-backs, let's talk about another one who has been off the radar all season, a former Stoke City player himself, Robert Hoofman, he's back fit now, but we're not expecting him to feature against uh, Stoke, and we wonder when we're going to see him again, if ever. If ever we do see him again, yeah, yeah because he was, he's one of, I mean, he could, is he the only one, or he's one of very few uh, Leicester players that didn't sign a new contract uh, after the title winning season? He's out of contract at the end of the season. If he doesn't play much more between now and the end of the season, can. Would Leicester really can Leicester really justify giving him a new contract? You've got Dragovic, who's impressed, and there's an option as we understand to buy if they want. 
Um, you got Ben Lawan there. Um, Morgan's Mag- back, Mag- Mag- back fit. Maguire. Is there a future there for Robert Huth? He's been so imperious for Leicester during the title winning season. Um, Claude t- seemed to hint that it would need a f- he would need some games back, and he said they'll make it. They would make a decision at the end of the season. Surely they must make the decision before. Well, no, you talk to a player around now and his representative uh, if they were coming towards the end of the contract. Um, otherwise, you know they can talk to other clubs so uh, and get themselves and rock quite rightly get themselves set up for next season. I mean, he's only he's thirty three. We know he's getting towards the end of his career, but he's younger than Wes. Yeah, exactly. So I imagine another club somewhere would like to take him on, especially the form that he showed during the title winning uh, season of two years ago. Uh, but obviously the injuries haven't helped him. You know, going into your final year of your contract, normally you don't let it go into the final year of a contract. Unless you know you're either thinking of moving on yourself, or or you know you're in talks with the club, but that injury, the ankle surgery in the, in the summer, that's really made it complicated for 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 Huth and uh, were very difficult for him. Um, and Pooh, I was admitted, he's not you know difficult to see when he can give him some game time. So yeah, I mean especially when you consider just how just how well Harry Maguire has done, and I'm sure we'll come on to him very shortly, but. Maguire's been saying it would be interesting to see had had Morgan and Hoot not been injured at the start of the season, or um, would Maguire have been able to have the chance that he could have had to to thrive and develop into a, an international level defender now? And when you look at his development, um, I, I I can't see where Hoot where comes back in really well let's talk about Harry Maguire because he's the uh, the man of the moment in many ways people a lot talk about him speculation about him you spoke to him after the yeah. Sheffield United game where he, he said he, he's quite happy to continue developing with Leicester City he thinks it's the perfect place for him to improve his game yeah I, I, I spoke to him afterwards and said I asked him if he'd been surprised by it surprised himself really about how quickly he's his profile has developed since joining the club, £17 million, which now seems absolute peanuts. But since then, he's already burst into the England scene. From what we can gather, impresses Gareth Southgate, being linked with big moves to big clubs. Um, I mentioned to him about the speculation with Man City, and he said when he joined Leicester, he knew Leicester were a big club. He knew they were on an upwards curve. The owners... Big ambitions for the club. They're only looking one way. They're not looking behind them. They're only looking to improve. And he see he says hopefully I'll be a part of that for the future. And Paul hinted at something very similar in his press conference when he said he was asked about the speculation with Maguire, and he said, "Well, as long as we keep developing as a club and keep progressing and keep being able to offer these players development of their own game and also more opportunities to play at a higher level." Why would they want to go anywhere? And that was, a, I mean, I thought that was a very astute response from Puel about the speculation about his players. Well, yeah, but uh, the, the reality of it is, as we saw with the Riyad Mahrez situation, is if big clubs take a fancy to you, um, it's very easy for players to have their heads turned with the prospects of regular Champions League football. I mean, are Leicester City in a position at the moment where they can compete for the top four spot? Probably not. They still need a bit of work to, to, to do, a couple of years at least, before they can strengthen the squad to that extent where they can challenge the top four at the moment so if a Man City came knocking if say Maguire had a great World Cup for England there's going to be a few clubs expressing an interest in him even though he's been here just one year yeah they will and I could only see why that would happen because we've seen that he is a very very accomplished 
defender and he's already already improving a lot. He's certainly improving from the start of the season when uh, you know as we highlighted with the Shakiri goal at Stoke and there was the one at Huddersfield as well the Potre goal when he was turned too easily he was making mistakes early in the season elementary ones in some respect but he seems to iron those out of his game. Yeah, he has, and you'd like to think, you'd like to hope, romantically that Harry Maguire as a, as a player would like Vardy has done when he's been approached by bigger clubs has appreciated what the club has done for them and under uh, Puel and Maguire could look at Puel and think well he's developed my game really well obviously you compare that to a Pep Guardiola and you think well he could do it even more but I think Leicester have shown as they have with Mares, even though it's caused a lot of problems that if they want to keep a player then they will keep a player yeah. um, I think Maguire strikes me as being a level headed guy level headed bloke and hopefully that he is here for the future because yeah. he's the kind of player that you could build a team around well, you've just mentioned Jamie Vardy let's move on to Vardy now because uh, he's in great goal scheme for yeah. five on the on the spin now five games on the spin in all competitions that he's scored in and uh, uh, again P- uh, Puel was asked about Vardy's form and uh, he spoke in the usual typical fashion about he's an improving player and all that and you found some stats this week the Premier League released which back up that even though he's 31 yeah he's still as quick as ever and, and, and even more accurate with his oh, shooting yeah. now uh, but also, um, he was asked about England and the World Cup. And at the moment, Gary Southgate likes one uh, main striker, doesn't he? And it's Harry Kane, understandably so. Yeah. The guy's a phenomenon in, in terms of the Premier League goal scoring charts. He's running out of Brit Awards, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, he's um, yeah, he's he's going to be the man leading the line. But Poyle has said he would like to see Vardy and Kane playing together for England. Yeah, so there's different opinions on this. I remember that Germany game when. There was a, a brief period where they did play together, and they linked up well. And I think they do. They, as as Paul said, they they have different attributes, mainly because no other striker really, at the top level, you would say is like Vardy. He is unique in what he does, which is great for Leicester, and will be less great for Leicester when he eventually kind of moves moves on or gets older, because replacing him will be very difficult because he's so unique. But I think they would suit well together. Kane's strong, holds the ball up well, can find your partner. And I think the two of them would be quite a good match, I think. Well, I think if it was going to work, it would have to be Vardy who plays at the top man. Yeah. And it was Kane that could drop off and link. And we've seen for Spurs, he, he likes to do that. He likes to vacate space for Deli Alley, running past Ericsson, running past... We, you know, and he's deadly from outside the box with his shooting as well as we've seen. He doesn't score tap-ins, this guy. Uh, whereas Vardy loves to sniff around on the back of the last shoulder of the last defender and, and get run the channels. And I think they would complement themselves if they switched. If so yeah. Vardy was number nine, Kane was the number ten. I'm not England manager, but uh, that's certainly what I'd look at. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think it, it like you say, if, if Kane was the kind of player that was a bit more... Selfish. I know he's a bit selfish in fact he, he likes to shoot a lot but he isn't the kind of player that just wants to stay in the box and sniff in the box he does like to drift around and come deep to pick up the ball and that would suit Vardy brilliantly because Kane's shown that not just is, is he a very good goal scorer but he's got the awareness to be able to pick out teammates and who better to pick out in goal scoring than Vardy because he's already shown this year that while he's He's matched his, tar- his tally from last year already. He's 13 Premier League goals. His, he's got one of the best shots on target percentage of any other striker in the division. And 
is even more and, and is ruthless. So I feel that it could be an exciting partnership. And he doesn't get as many Vardy doesn't get as many opportunities in the Premier League games that Kane's getting at Spurs as no. well to score. So I know he's down in the charts, thirteen goals, isn't it, this season? Yeah. And uh, Kane's twenty three at the moment, so he's still got a long way to go there. But I think if you looked at how many chances Vardy had compared to how many chances Kane's had this season, I think there'd be quite a discrepancy there as well. Yeah, I think so. But that with Vardy, I think I think you mentioned on the previous podcast again shows is another string to Vardy's bow in that he's not the kind of player that needs a lot of chances to take them. Given one chance, Vardy is more than likely going to take it, which just shows one not only hey he's a very class striker, but also his commitment and work rate is never in question because there's so many times when Leicester aren't playing well where Vardy can be so isolated where he could just be sat kicking his heels and hardly have any any touches but he never gives in he never lets that get to him he never gets petulant like Alexis Sanchez used to do so he just gets on with it and carries on hustling in the channels carries on trying to work for his team and when a chance does come he'll take it yeah absolutely who would have thought those years ago at Watford that uh... Uh, Leicester City's manager then, Nigel Pearson, had the future England front two partnership sitting on his substitute oh, uh, bench. Yeah, the um, the Watford playoff semi-final. Yeah. There's that famous picture, isn't there, on the, on the bench of Vardy, Drinkwater and Kane all sat on the bench watching on. Uh, well, two of them are going to the World Cup. We don't know about Drinky yet. No, we, no not, not about Drinky. Although Drinky's hair does look very good. <laughs> uh, right, let's move on to... Um, we've had a bit of news this week. Uh, yeah. FFP. It's been lingering over the club now for four years. Um, the city, the city were charged with uh, breaching financial fair play regulations of the season. They won the championship title to get promoted to the Premier League. They were facing a massive fine if the rules were to be uh, exacted how they were written. Um, but it looks like they've come to some compromise. Yeah, news broke on Wednesday that Leicester and the Football League had come to a settlement. Uh, of three point one, three point one million pounds, and that is it. Drawn line under it. The point That's was, what Paul said today, didn't yeah, he? there's a joint joint statement from both Leicester and the Football League in which the Football League agreed that Leicester hadn't hadn't attempted to deceive them. Because I remember at the time when the when the accounts were released for that season, we knew that Leicester could only make. Eight million pounds worth of losses for that year, but they announced nearer twenty, a bit, a bit over twenty. And when we were asking at the time, well, what's this going to mean for FFP? And they said, well, no, it's, it's okay because thirteen million pounds of those losses are allowed under the financial fair play regulations because they come from player bonuses for winning promotion, they come from academy fees and some other costs here and there. Leicester have always maintained that they they fell within the regulations and those extra losses were allowed. Football League eventually decided that they weren't and they had the the legal challenge. QPR have currently got a, a legal challenge going that's currently ongoing and Leicester's was kind of being put on the back burner while that one's going on. They've just come to an agreement to just draw a line. Draw a I mean, line. whenever they bring in new um, guidelines like these, financial fair play, whether it's going to be VAR, whatever, whenever something new is introduced to the game, there's always so many grey areas. There's so many going to be so many glitches, and I think this is uh, this was certainly one of them. Uh, Three point one million. Do you think City have got away with it though a little bit? Um, there are people that I think, I think what people are people are critics of Leicester. 
and of the financial fair play itself. What they're arguing is that settling it like this, it's not a transparent process. So it's not they've not it's not shown out there to say this is what this is what happened from both from their points of views, and this is what happened. This is why we're accepting a settlement, and this is why it didn't work or whatever. So there, there are questions over that. Some people would, would, would argue that, I think. Um, but, I mean, speaking of person, I, I, I don't know. The, it's so complicated. It is complicated. It is complicated. I, it, I'd be... It's a head-scratcher yeah. as we go through all that paperwork. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's move on to the football, the action on the pitch, rather than stuff off it. Um, Stoke City here on Saturday... Mm-hmm. City go into this, great that they've reached the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. We've been saying for week after week after week, they've got a great opportunity to win that. Um, now they've got a quarterfinal against Chelsea here. But it's time to put that to bed, Pearl said today. Put that to yeah. bed and get focused again on the league. Because only two wins in the last ten games in the Premier League. And suddenly that seventh spot that we've been talking about is starting to just slip away a little bit. Yeah, because they've won... Yeah, two in the last ten. The last six games have been two wins, two draws, two defeats. So inconsistent, mm. exactly. And yeah, it's a it's a bit disappointing because at one stage they looked like they would nail down that seventh spot and they were showing the quality to do so. But with lots of things that have happened, lots in form, a certain player going missing for three of those games, in which Leicester won none of them. As kind of distracted them a little bit and now they're in a position where because Burnley have done so poorly they are still only one point they're one point behind Burnley but they've allowed the likes of Everton to creep up on them and Everton are now only a point behind them so there are now more clubs than Leicester would have liked battling it out for that seventh spot Leicester's running is quite kind they've only got two of the top six left to play so you would have two home games coming up now against Stoke and Bournemouth so you would hope that with Mares back and integrated into the fold, Vardy in great goal-scoring form, the teams that are playing, yes, some of them were fighting for relegation, but Leicester should have the quality if they were, if they, to use one of Puel's terms, focused, they should be okay. So if Leicester City are going to push on and, and challenge for that seventh spot, the home form is going to be absolutely key, isn't it, with these two games, quite rightly said there, about Stoke and then Bournemouth um, coming up here. And uh, considering the... Um, the disappointment of dropping two points here against Swansea, uh, the last home game, and then the drubbing at Man City, although many a side have been put through the ringer by Pep Guardiola's side, suddenly becomes a big game. Yeah, it does. Um, I would say because other teams have now got closer to Leicester and they've got an inconsistent form, um, it means that there's been a little bit of distractions going on. But um, I think Leicester have got... Leicester are renowned for having decent home form. And I know the Swansea game was a game they should have won and they didn't, but a lot of that, I mean, they've, they've now got Riyad back, sorry to keep harking back to him, but against Sheffield United, a team that was defending, as Swansea were at the end, Leicester finally had that player that could find a bit of quality to, to get them through, which had they had him at Swansea, they may well have done. Having him back and having Vardy firing, I, I think Leicester should be okay. Well, join us on Saturday. We'll have a live blog running throughout the game. Uh, James will be manning that. And we'll all have all the build-up on the Mercury website and our Facebook page, plus all the reaction after the game on the same site, the Leicester Mercury website and our Facebook page. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next time.